0: The stock market just had its worst month of the year, let's talk about why. Welcome back to the Bitcoin layer, I'm Nick Batia, and today I'm going to walk you through five of the most important drivers in the economy and in financial markets right now. Now we just concluded September and we saw the S&P 500 have its worst returns monthly returns of the year so far so let's talk about why this is going on why the stock market struggled in september and what to expect going forward for the next few months the bitcoin layer is proud to be sponsored by river go check out river.com slash tbl today i want to tell you guys the most important thing about river they don't use a third-party custodian for the Bitcoin that is purchased on their platform. So what that means is that when you go on, you sign up for River and you buy Bitcoin, they aren't holding that at another company. They're holding it themselves with this multi-signature solution. That way you know that River is custodying that Bitcoin and they even encourage you to take it off the platform. We also really like River because they have Lightning Network enabled and they have a great new feature which allows recurring purchases without any fees. Go check out river.com slash TBL today. Now, do you guys hate the phrase, something will break? This is something that we hear all the time in financial markets, and to be honest, it can get a little tiring, but I'm here to tell you today that this moniker of something will break, it's actually an important component that you must have in your investing framework. Let me explain why. Something must break really implies two separate things. Number one, it implies that the financial system has a lot of fragility. And that is something that we can take from the past 15 years. We look at the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. We had a sovereign debt crisis uh, a couple years later in Europe. We had a repo crisis in 2019. Then the COVID liquidity scare caused a massive panic in risk markets. So we see that there are instabilities in the financial markets and especially in the banking system. Now, something will break is the idea that if policy is tight for too long, meaning interest rates have gone too high or that balance sheet runoff is going too quickly, That something in the financial system will break, maybe something in monetary plumbing, something in interbank lending, or even something in leveraged trades, and that occurs at asset managers. Now, the second assumption, which usually goes with something will break, is the assumption that when something does break in the financial system, the central bank, Federal Reserve or the European Central Bank will come in to save the day. Why? Because the system is fragile and a break somewhere could cause an interbank failure and basically end up in a massive financial crisis. So the reason why people think that A, something will break, and B, the central bank will come to save the day, is because that is exactly what has happened for the last 15 years on both sides of the Atlantic. Therefore, it is our belief that the idea that something will break should be in your framework, even though it's a very simplified version of how to approach these markets. Thinking that something will go wrong because of over-tightened policy due to inherent fragilities in the system is valid, as well as the idea that central banks will come in with an intervention if that line is crossed. So we've talked about something will break, and it is important to keep that in the back of your mind as we go into the five most important drivers in the markets right now now when i say markets and i'm talking about the drivers that are affecting these markets the most what i'm referring to specifically are u.s treasuries and the yields in the u.s interest rate complex as well as the s p 500 so these are the two asset classes that we focus on at the bitcoin layer when we're thinking about the macro environment of course bitcoin is there as a macro asset today in the way that it's traded But when it comes down to what is going to happen with monetary policy and with the Federal Reserve, we are not including Bitcoin in that part of the framework. We're talking about yields on treasuries and the S&P 500. Okay, so number one, the most important driver right now, we believe, for treasuries and stocks is quantitative tightening. A quick refresher for you guys, what is QT? Let's talk about what QE is first. QE is quantitative easing. This is a program that the Fed started in 2009 when they had already reached the zero lower bound. This means they had lowered rates all the way down to zero. They can't lower them lower than zero, so they had to come up with a different way to inject stimulus and behavioral influences into the stock market. So what did it do? It basically bought treasuries from the open market forcing banks to go out and participate in other parts of risk taking in the financial markets that should spur on the economy lending and drive demand that was the theory with quantitative easing now the fed tried quantitative easing several different times from 2009 all the way up to post pandemic in 2021 But the recent bout of monetary tightening has not only been the increase in interest rates, it has also come with quantitative tightening, which is the opposite of QE. So when QE is a purchase of treasuries from the open market to remove that security, to try to introduce other risk-taking, the opposite effect can be said about QT. That treasury now... Once it's matured, the one that's issued on the other side by the treasury, the fresh treasury, is no longer going into the pocket of the Fed. It has to be taken down by the private market. And that with that process of that treasury being purchased by the private market, the private market can then not use that money to buy other asset classes. And so QE removes treasuries from the market and stuffs them with the Fed. And QT puts treasuries into the market, out of the pocket of the Fed. And at the same time that they're putting treasuries into the market, they are reducing the amount of reserves that are being held. So now let's take what we just talked about with QT and bring it into the context of what's happening right now in the markets. And what are we seeing Yes, the S&P had its worst month in the year of 2023, just now in September, but the cause, much, much higher interest rates. So just a quick refresher for everyone, when treasury prices go down, that means yields are going up. When treasury prices go down, it means there is a lack of appetite to take those treasury fixed income investments at the current yield investors are demanding more yield and therefore that means they are willing to pay less money for that for that bond so let's talk about what has happened recently with treasuries now that treasury supply has increased from the United States government at the same time that the Fed is not purchasing those treasuries and in fact it is letting treasuries mature and making those treasuries have to go to the private hands the first order effect here guys is there is just way more supply in the market right so yields are going higher to try to attract investors because investors were not willing to lock in 10 years of yield at four and a quarter percent on the 10 year and they are demanding much higher than four and a half percent today so as yields have climbed Way above 4% here in the last several weeks, what we are seeing is a straight-up lack of appetite for treasuries at the present yields that were going on in August. Okay, so number one, the most important thing right now that you guys need to keep in mind is quantitative tightening, QT. And I previewed a little bit of what the treasury is doing. We'll get to that in the third driver. But first, let's talk about the second driver the lagged effects of monetary policy. What does this mean? In short, it means that when the Fed raises interest rates, let's say from 1% to 2%, that increase in interest rates at the policy rate level doesn't actually filter into the economy for about a year. Now, this is based off of empirical data that we have from hiking and cutting cycles in decades and decades past and what we see consistently is that about a year after the central bank raises the policy rate and makes borrowing more expensive we see a decline in economic activity what does that mean for us today well the fed has been raising rates all the way until july of this year so if you add a year or nine months to a year onto that we're putting ourselves into the lagged effects of monetary policy even if the fed doesn't hike another basis point it will continue to drive weakness in the economy for the first half of 2024 remember this is even without another rate hike so what can we expect from the consumer and economic growth well we can we can expect a lower appetite for borrowing at these higher rates and a lower appetite for consumption as the risk-free rate has risen. So that is how the Fed tries to influence consumer behavior. It tries to bring inflation down by making it more expensive to borrow for companies. It makes it more risky for companies to hire new people at higher interest rates. And so for all these reasons, lagged effects of monetary policy are going to drive the consumer and businesses to contract their spending so these are the knock-on effects of monetary policy that we'll continue to see into next year but if you take today and rewind 9 to 12 months what are the effects today or let's say it like this what happened 9 to 12 months ago which is starting to affect the economy today in real terms Those were the series of 50 and 75 basis point hikes when the Fed was at its most hawkish. You remember the Jackson Hole speech last August in 2022? It was a message of forceful. The Fed wanted to be forceful fighting with inflation. So instead of little baby 25 basis point hikes at a time, it started to raise rates at half a percent or three quarters of a percent at a time. Fast forward a year from those accelerated hikes, it puts you right now. So we can see the stock market, perhaps try to discount some of that behavior coming into the market today. The Bitcoin layer is proud to be sponsored by Foundation Devices. You guys gotta go check out the Passport. It's this beautiful hardware wallet that Foundation Devices makes, and they make it really easy for you to get your Bitcoin off the exchange. We try to tell you guys and advocate for self-custody. Remember, if you buy Bitcoin on another platform, that Bitcoin is not yours. It's that company's until you take it off of that platform into your own custody. We recommend the Passport. It's a very easy to use hardware wallet go check them out, foundationdevices.com. Okay, I told you the third driver would be a carryover from number one, and that is the quantitative tightening that's happening from the Treasury Department. So remember, the Treasury Department is part of the U.S. government. The U.S. government has revenues in terms of taxes, and it has expenses. These are the outlays that are spent on defense spending, Medicare, etc. So the government brings in money and they spend money. And as we know, the government is spending a lot more money than it's bringing in and has been doing that for a couple decades now. The U.S. government has been pretty much in a constant deficit on an annual basis, year after year, administration after administration, party to party. So with that dynamic... The notional amount of the debt outstanding continues to rise. Right now, it has gone above $33 trillion. And it's not just that the debt has gone so high in nominal terms. It's that the amount of deficit that adds to the debt each year is starting to get really worrisome when it comes down to what is the actual amount of money we are spending just on interest rate expense. That is a topic for another video, but I want to keep you guys in this area of treasury is constantly spending more than it brings in, and that will bring new treasury securities to the market. That's just the math. There's no other way for the treasury to pay for expenses that it doesn't have the tax revenue for directly ends up in more treasury supply because the treasury instrument is how the government funds itself. So with the treasury supply increasing, it's not just that the Fed is not showing up and buying that incremental treasury. It's that with the Fed going away, The government itself is running into enormous deficit problems. First of all, tax receipts are down, so the government isn't bringing in as much money as it would have expected. Interest expense has gone up because of how high interest rates have gone. That wasn't budgeted for one to two years ago. And the Treasury is hitting the market now with longer-duration assets. Remember that when they crossed the debt ceiling several months ago, They added to their cash buffer, but they did it using treasury bills. Treasury bills hitting the market don't really move the needle that much because the asset manager will sell one thing uh, in the money markets and buy the treasury bill because it has a little bit of a higher yield. There's no price risk to a treasury bill because it matures very quickly, but there is price risk with longer-duration assets, for example, 10-year, 20- and 30-year treasury bonds. So when the treasury introduces longer dated maturities to the market, what you end up having is the market struggling to digest. And that is another driver for higher yields right now. Driver one, the Fed isn't buying anymore. So there's more supply. Driver three, the treasury is just issuing more. So there's more supply. So we have more supply plus more supply. It makes total sense then that yields are climbing because treasury prices are falling and the market is trying to find a yield at which it feels comfortable investing 10 to 30 years. And right now there is actually, this is the scary part about it. There is no sign that that level has been reached. And so we, that is the perfect segue To the stock market, which is the other asset class that we're talking about here, if there is no sign of buyers coming in to get comfortable with treasury yields, you can forget about buyers being comfortable with the stock market the way it is. Because asset allocation is always done on a risk adjusted basis. So if treasury yields are rising, that means it's making stocks less and less attractive day by day. But if buyers are not even coming into the treasury market, how can we expect them to come into the stock market? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we are today and why we just had the worst month of the year in the S&P 500. It is because of these dynamics in the treasury market which are displacing risk appetite elsewhere. We've called it the crowding out effect. Time and time again, that's what it is. Okay, so that segues into our fourth main driver in financial markets, which is the wealth effect. Now, another refresher here, the wealth effect is an economic concept in behavioral finance in which if stocks and real estate prices increase, the consumer, which we assume owns stocks and owns real estate, feels more comfortable, feels more wealthy, and is more willing to borrow and spend. Because The retirement portfolio is going up in value, so that gives the individual confidence to go out and spend current income. So the wealth effect is a big concept in behavioral finance and one on which the Fed heavily relies. The Fed even admitted that quantitative easing programs starting in 2009 were in part targeting the wealth effect directly, meaning that the Fed was trying to pump stocks and pump real estate to get the economy spending again. So we know that the Fed uses the wealth effect, and we know that the wealth effect also works two ways, right? When stocks go up and real estate goes up, people spend. But what happens when they go down and real estate prices go down? People stop spending. And so the fourth driver that you guys have to understand is that the wealth effect is significantly in play for the fed and it always is that means that without a correction significant correction in the stock market you probably won't get the fed to come back with easier monetary policy the other side of that also means that the stock market is playing a game of chicken with the fed and we are potentially entering the stage in which the stock market and stock investors has to threaten the Fed to cut or ease off of the tightening uh, accelerated that it's been on for the last year plus and really beg the Fed to stop and and maybe even introduce lower rates for the economy now that is we're not predicting for the stock market to come down dramatically and for the Fed to go right into easing but it is our baseline expectation over a longer term based off what we know about recent cycles. So what we do expect is that the Fed won't be easing unless we get a stock market decline that is very significant, call it somewhere in the 20 to 50% range. And so people need to keep in mind the wealth effect when they're thinking about, well, when will the Fed actually cut rate it's not going to be because inflation comes down significantly that the fed is going to go into cuts it will have to be something in risk markets now the last driver i want to talk to you guys about and let's put this yield curve chart on the screen here it's the twos tens yield curve and what we're talking about is the re-steepening so this re-steepening is a very important driver and something you guys need to keep in mind What does a flattening and inverted yield curve mean? It means that the long-term yield falls below the short-term yield. That would mean that the 10-year yield is below the two-year yield, which it is today, right? The two-year yield is just north of 5%, and the 10-year yield is just north of 4.5%. So we still have an inverted curve. The inverted curve from the market perspective basically implies that the expectation of growth Is lower than the current policy rate and therefore being lower than the current policy rate the market is saying that the Fed is too tight today and that it expects probably a slowdown in growth or even a cut in the policy rate over the medium term so is a flattening yield curve or an inverted yield curve a leading indicator absolutely yes, it is. And just look at the chart here. In the years up until the 2008 financial crisis, we had a massive flattening of the yield curve. But you can see here that it started around 04, 05 and stretched into 2006. Now, the recession didn't start for a couple years, but the yield curve inversion preceded it. And it also preceded what happened toward the end of the decade the yield curve continued to flatten as the policy rate was held too high by the market and it quickly reversed as the fed had to cut to zero after the pandemic now if you zoom out a little bit further you can see that this actually happens every single time going back many more decades than just looking back to the 2008 great financial crisis but if you look a little bit closer now we can see that it's not just the flattening that precedes the recessions. And these recessions, by the way, here are shaded in red. These red shaded areas are when the U.S. was in recession. What you see here is that the recession actually comes after the yield curve starts to steepen again, also known as the re-steepening. And the re-steepening happens because interest rate cuts are starting to get priced in. Now, we've talked about there are no cuts really priced in for the next six months. And that's okay. That's where the market is today. But the market is expecting that something is afoot. Now, we're still inverted. The curve is still 50 basis points inverted. That means tens trade 50 basis points below where the two year yield trades. But once you see this curve uninvert and re steepen in an even more dramatic way, we are at the cusp of recession. Because remember, when the Fed cuts rates, it's not a good thing. It might be supportive to asset prices in the short term as a relative value calculation is made that now the risk-free yield is lower so i should hop out of that and go into another asset but it's really a sign that things are bad in the economy and that is what's forcing the fed to cut rates so remember these five drivers number one quantitative tightening from the fed number two the lagged effects of monetary policy number three massive increase in treasury supply from the treasury itself due to deficits number four the wealth effect and why the Fed? Make sure to target the S&P 500 for the economy. And number five, the yield curve re-steepening. Thanks for sticking with us today at the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia. The Bitcoin Layer is sponsored by River. Go check them out today at river.com slash TBL. River is a Bitcoin only exchange. They have lightning network capabilities. They allow you to Put in a recurring purchase without any fees and they do not use a third-party custodian they have their own multi-sig setup we'd love working with river go check them out today